What's up, everyone? This is Pastor Sam. This is Danny. And together we're exploring the letter of Ephesians. It's your last one, Danny. That's so sad. We're, sad we're in day. chapter no, no zero. No, no chapter. No, it's a sad, sad day. It's the last one. It is sad, you know. It's been it's been um it's been a journey with all of these podcasts, you know, going through um when we did Mark and now we did Ephesians and just the growth and just the encouragement that we get just from each other. Yeah, I think it's an enriching yeah. journey for, for us, I, uh, for me. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully for you. Uh, well, today, uh, as we come to today, we, we, we talked about this. We set this up at the beginning. We said, hey, listen, one of the things, the feedback we got from Mark was that people had questions and stuff like that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So we said, hey, we're going to do Ephesians. And what we'll do is we'll have a session at the end, just to just to answer any questions that people may have asked throughout the time they've been listening, or maybe they submitted a question. We told people they can go online and submit questions. Um, we do have we do have three questions that we're going to kind of talk through today. But um, any any thoughts on, on the whole series overall before we jump into the specific questions? No, I do think that uh, it, it was a challenging series in in when it comes to just some of the lessons from the book of Ephesians. Is some of the things that we just. It kind of makes us uncomfortable because it makes you look a little bit in the mirror and especially have, chapter five and six. That's exactly it. Thanks oh, for the, I mean those ones. You know, <laughs> it is. I mean, chapter one. If you don't understand your identity, then you're gonna be in trouble. And I think that's mm-hmm. what chapter one is about. It's, it's making you realize. Listen, God has done some things through Jesus that you need to partake into. You gotta, you gotta embrace it. So the whole idea of being adopted, being redeemed, being predestined, being forgiven, and chosen. These blessings from God that comes to us, I mean, that that's important. That's important for you to understand. If you don't embrace your identity in Jesus Christ, then it's, a, it's in trouble. And I said this in sermons before, in reminder, Ephesians is not for unbelievers. Yeah. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't been baptized, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, Ephesians makes no sense. Yeah, you can't reconcile it. No. You can't. And one of the things we talked about as we looked at how Paul kind of has this letter, I should say, the letter, how he laid it out, was really, as you talked about your identity in Christ and the blessing of the church, right? The mm-hmm. blessing that, as individuals, we have, which was really captured in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, he talked about the universality of the church in chapter 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. And then in, in, in the last several chapters uh he talked about the obligations of the church the obligation of a believer yeah and uh, he talked about how we're first obligated to be united mm-hmm. he talks about that in chapter four and then he also gives us what it means to live righteous what it looks to be righteously and then in chapter chapter six he ends up and um talking about faithful being faithful he talks about the armor of god as christians have to stand firm be on guard that's kind of like the overview of the book. And one of the things is that I, I really enjoy is that it's good that because this book, this letter is applicable to us today too as well. Yes. It's yes. a timeless book. Yes. You know, um, I said, you know, if a, if, a, if a picture is worth a thousand words, then the book, the letter of Ephesians is priceless in it that it really gives Christians some foundational things about how we're to conduct ourselves, the character we're to have, as well as some doctrinal things that Paul highlights for us too as well. Yes. So let's jump into the questions. Yeah, yeah. So we had three questions, I think, that was submitted to us. And I think those who try to make it brief and to answer them. Yeah. um, You can read them. So I'll read the first question. It's it's a couple of questions, so I'll kind of read it together. It says, we read in the beginning of Ephesians that all things are being united in Christ. 
Why is it then that our world seems to be more divided than ever? And how can we as Christians push toward unity that goes beyond the walls of our church buildings? So that's that's the question, right? So yeah. it talks about it's really about being united in Christ and, and how we're to say united. So what do you think? Uh, the verse that this person is uh, probably thinking of is verse 10. Uh, it's a verse that we picked on, is on the Bible study. If you participate in the Bible study, if you did the Bible yeah. study, I uh, said that there are six verses in the in Ephesians that tied them together, gives the purpose of the book in the mind of Paul. Uh, one ten is one of them as the plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. Uh, it goes to that idea that uh, we have been trying to per to pass on here that heaven and earth will come together. Uh, Revelation speaks of that, of heaven coming down to earth and the, the, the new Jerusalem taking place. This idea is that uh, God's indwelling is going to be among his people and he will be their God and they will be his people. And there will be no more questioning about the authority of God and the identity of the church. It, it, so this question is more on a practical way, right? Like, so, okay, the, it's telling us everything's going to be united into Christ. Uh, why is that then the world seems to be divided in, com in complete division yes divide i think the word i think i like you know i like the greek things idea of greek here for a little bit i think the word uh unite that we see here this word unite is the word to sum up to recapitulate uh together together in one so is the is the is the idea of to reinstate mm -hmm. to to reinstate so what 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 Paul is trying to say is that what happened in the Garden of, of Eden, what God was intended there, whatever happened there, it was is going to be reinstated. And that can only be reinstated through the work of Jesus. Yeah, so so before the so that we, we clear it up here, you're not talking about the fall. You're talking pre-fall. 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 Yeah. Not, pre not the fall. Post-fall, that's where we are. We are Genesis in, in, 1 and 2. Yes. So pre-fall, the, the unity there, the, 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 the cohesiveness, the everything in unison, everything working together. The oh, harmony, the comfort, exactly, the harmony. peace, yeah. the lack of pain, the lack of suffering, God walking with his people, with creation, right? The idea of God walking in the garden and talking to men face to face. We have mm -hmm. lost all of that, right? That tried to be instituted in the Old Testament through the... Through the temple, God's presence in the temple, right? And then people would go to the temple to be closer to God. And that was the Ark of the Covenant, what God's presence would be. So the priest yeah. would have to make sacrifice and go to the Holy of Holies in order to be able to be in the presence of God, to bring out the petitions before people. That was the sacrifice of the animal to bring you closer to God and to bring you forgiveness. All those things was God's provisions for people to feel His presence. Something that was very tangible in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Adam and Eve could high-five God in a metaphorical way. <laughs> Old Testament, we could no longer feel God or see His presence. Well, we could feel Him by thundering or by the fire yeah. or by the cloud if He's in the wilderness or by the thunder in the Mount Sinai. His presence came and went. This yeah. came and left. Came mm -hmm. and left. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, as you're saying, His presence was always there. We were in it. We were. We were. We were just consumed by it. And ever since then, ever since the fall, Genesis three happened. Right. Yeah. Genesis mm -hmm. three happened, and as a result of that. God has, he made a promise to reinstate that. And those of us who have accepted what Christ has done of us, 
we've begun that process of that reinstatement. So right? Old Testament, they do that. <clears throat> New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have yes. God's presence within us. Now yes. it's more tangible, right? Which mm -hmm. Old Testament was not very tangible. Now it's very tangible. Is it in us? Is the God's word, is Moses stated in, in, in the Romans chapter 29, 30, 31, somewhere in there, that the word of God is near you, it's close to you, it's in your mouth. It, you know, come here to Ephesians. Paul is saying like, there's no excuse. The word of God is in you. You like come to the old, New Testament. God has put His Spirit within us. So we can go into the Holy of Holies every time we pray. We get to the presence of God. God is present right here, right now, in the midst of us. You know, Matthew tells where the two, three, get in your name. There, there God would be. So God's presence is here. Hebrews tells us we can walk with confidence in the presence of God. Right? There is no. It's, it is not as intangible yeah. as in the Old Testament. Yeah. But it's not Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. No. You still can high five God, <clears throat> right? But you can feel His presence. You yeah. can hear His voice. You yeah. can uh, see His blessings, participate in His blessings, right? Yeah. So when Paul say he's trying to unite all things mm -hmm. in heaven and on earth under the Lordship of Jesus, he said he's going to reinstate that which has always been in the mind of God. Mm -hmm. The fact that you can, at some point, you'll be able to high-five God yeah. like Adam and Eve did. And, and that's why I would say, that's, the, that, that, that's how I would say we would answer that second part of the question. Why is it then that the world seems to be more divided than ever? It's because that hasn't come to completion yet, right? Mm -hmm. That is a, that's an in-process work. And there are still those of us, as you said, that if the letter of Ephesians is for who? For Christians. For, for Christians. For those right? who are in Christ. Those who not are Christians. In Christ. For those who are in those who Christ. Are in Christ. Thank yeah. you. Yes. For those who are in Christ. So why is the world still divided? Because there are a subset of people who are not in Christ. And as a result of that, because of that, unfortunately, that's why we have divisions, right? We, we talked about we need to stop having divisions and walls, but build tables. Mm -hmm. We talked about mm -hmm. that thing in this in, in Genesis in our first podcast, right? Where if we come to the table and we talk about things that have us divided, maybe we will have less, less and more division than we currently have versus the walls that we put up and we don't talk about things. And I think also what we talked about in, in chapter 3, what chapter 3 is about is that the church has the responsibility to show to the world, visible and invisible, the manifold wisdom of God, which means the door is open. The, the, the door is open. The table is ready. You can come in and sit down and participate in it. Yeah. Uh, it's for everyone. It's not only for selected few, right? So remember that in the Old Testament, uh, it seems like the only the only Israel was welcome in the God presence was specific. of God. He was specific. Yeah. He chose but, this, this Yeah, but, this but, but Genesis chapter 12, God said, told Abraham, listen, I'll bless you so that you can bless others. And Israel was supposed to be that kind of a nation. They were blessed by God to bless other people. So the blessings of God would flow through Israel to other people. Well, it's not different from today. Uh, the blessings of God flows through the church into the world. So we have the responsibility of blessing the world. And I think one of the reasons why the unification is not quite here yet, it is because the church has fulfilled its responsibility of displaying... Has failed to, has failed to live up to what that call is. To that responsibility. <clears throat> to share with the world the, the wisdom of God. Um, so, uh, which, you know, uh, 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 so how, so how can Christians then push toward unity then? If you're saying that we have another, how do we do that? See, one of the things I think about is that when I hear this people, um, 
they put a lot of responsibility on, on, on Christians, the people who are at church, to go outside their walls because it's very easy to be kind, compassionate, loving when you're inside the walls, right? So I think sure. this question talks about, okay, when I'm out there, mm-hmm. when I'm outside of the walls and I'm being bombarded by all these different things in, my, in, the, in the world today, how do I keep pushing for that unity? You know, I think one of the biggest things that they were asking Jesus, what's the, what's the greatest command, right? What's sure. the greatest command? What did mm-hmm. he say? It was to love, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we have lost sense of what it is to love other people, right? A lot of people say love the person, not the sin. Yeah, well, we hear that. All the time. <laughs> we hear that. All, that's cliche. What does that mean? How do you how do you apply that? Like, mm-hmm. how, how do you work into those things? So I think when we come to the point where the church is doing what the church is meant to do, be sacrificial in the way that Christ was, then I think we can help really broaden outside of the walls of the church, and um, it's difficult. Man. I, I, I read a, uh, uh, this question the other day. Uh, it went like this. If the gospel is good news, if the good news is good, why aren't people flocking to it? I don't know. Why? Well, because are we living good news? <laughs> no. And I think we, as the church, we got to take on that responsibility. Why is it has unified? Well, maybe because we are not doing our part. I mean, we can't... It starts with us, right? It starts with a mirror. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's... You got it. I think you said it. You start with us. You got to take a little look, little look in the mirror. Um, it is not all based on what God can do. Somehow in God's sovereignty, He chose to partner with men to bring about His will. Mm-hmm. Right? I do not know why. I don't know why in His economy He chose... To partner with unreliable, unfaithful people. Uh, people who will let him down. People who let each other down. Uh, I don't know why. Well, I don't know why. Because God believes in us. He, You know that we don't trust God, but that God trusts us. <laughs> right? Yeah. We don't love God, but God loves us. We're not faithful to God, but God is faithful to us. And, and, and that's part of his character, right? So... God trusts us and He has given us the responsibility and He trusts that we'll come to fruition. So at the right time it will. So why is so how can we how can we bring the unity about? How can we live it? I, I think I'll answer this way. Just allow the Holy Spirit to display his gift through your life. Yeah. What are you thinking? No, I I think you're right. I think that's why I say it starts with us, right? Everything starts with us in terms of how we live, how we how we choose to respond to things. You know, we have a choice. You going back to what you said, God saw in his economy his way to work it out this way because if he didn't, then we wouldn't have the free will. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's uh people talk about well you don't have free will. Well well <clears throat> so we're in a habit trail. Let me pull you to a habit trail here. <laughs> Can I pull you to a habit trail? Go, go ahead. Let's all the, those listening to us. Someone told me the other day, I had a conversation with a couple of friends and they're both agnostic and uh, one of them, we were talking about choices and he's like, I don't believe in, in, in free will. There is no such a thing as free will. I was like, what do you mean? So you talk, telling me that we're all puppets doing something that someone has pre then for you? It's like, no, I don't believe in that either. I was like, whoa, so what is the other option? He said like, I don't believe in free will because you don't get to choose whatever you want. There are some things that is outside of your power to choose. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like what? He's like, well, you can't, you can't choose to go to Mars right now. <laughs> so you don't have free will. I was like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. So it's like, there's a lot of things you don't get to choose. 
I don't get to choose to have hair, Danny. Can, do I get to choose that? No. No, I mean, I guess if I had the money to pay for surgery or implant. So he said, and I, and I thought it was interesting. He said, you can only choose within the realm of possibilities for your specific contacts at a time. And I was like, that's interesting. That's true. Yeah. So, that, so that limits your, 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 your free will, for sure. But here's one of the things that is always in your range of choice, Jesus. And that's what I told him. That's your free will. <laughs> that, that, was like, dude, like, I got you. Okay, in the, in the realm, you're right. I cannot choose to go to Mars right now. And there are a lot of things I can choose. I can't. So we were talking about politics a little bit. And it's like, you can't choose to be a president. And I was like, oh, you're right. I, there's a lot. You, go, you got me. There's a lot of things you can't choose. Yeah. You don't have free will for a lot of things. I got you. But there is one thing that is always within your will. Jesus. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think we, the church, have uh, narrowed down our choices. And we have left Jesus outside of it. Which is the only choice that is always at our range. We think we're responsibility to go to Mars, but we don't think the possibility to follow Jesus closely, right? Yeah. We, we think like, oh, oh, I can choose to go to Mars. Uh, follow Jesus? Uh, yeah, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think one of the things you lean on there is perspective, right? Is, do you have the right perspective? Of sure. Things? Like you ever hear the one about the three guys who got captured in a war? They said, well, we'll come to you, tell you this, uh, you tell us how you want to die, and we'll do it for you. So they come to the first guy, and he goes, guillotine. So they take a guillotine, chop his head off, right? Second guy, Mm -hmm. he said, how do you want to die? He says, well, by a firing squad. So they got the firing squad, he dies. Third guy, they came to him and he goes, they say, how do you want to die, sir? He goes, old age. (laughs) (laughs) So so, (laughs) it's about perspective, right? It's about perspective. And as we as we as we never Man, I would have never chose that because I'm not that smart. That's smart. (laughs) So I mean as 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 what I'm trying to say would go back to the free will thing you were talking about Mm -hmm. is that we have to see things as perspective, right? If we only see the world as a a firing squad or as like a guillotine just Mm -hmm. trying to cut our cell phone versus just an opportunity for us to live out Mm-hmm. And to make peace and to, to be small, small wrinkles or small, like, ripples sure. in, in a large pot mm-hmm. of adding good, adding good, adding good. I think that's what God has called us to do as Christians. Well, yeah. And I think that's what we're to do each and every time that we step into this world, right? Because heaven and earth hasn't come together yet, right? Mm-hmm. So as we mm-hmm. continue to, to live through this thing and we talk about unity... We got to know that we have a part to play in that. And if we're not doing that, then we're just adding to the disunity. There's no middle ground. No. You're either promoting unity or yeah. you're promoting disunity. Yeah. So to me, that's how I would kind of tackle this question. Okay. We you should a, move on. You got a joke in the middle of that too. That was, that was funny. That was good. What do you want to talk about old age? Oh, All right. Question two. Uh, here's the second question. It says, we want to be a church that imitates Christ. How do you interact with those whose identity is not yet in Christ? How can we be welcoming and loving while not compromising our identity? Many people walk away from church because they have felt judged. How do you love without compromising our beliefs? When I see questions like this, do you know who I think of, which is the Sunday school question, the answer? Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) Right? 
How many people did he met in the Gospels that was not yet in Christ? And how he treated them. Like, I think the first thing that Jesus did was that he was open to everyone. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I just started, I started thinking about Jesus. Like, on the questions like this. It's like, how can you interact with those whose identity is not yet in Christ? Well, everybody that Jesus met in the gospel, well, I shouldn't say everybody, was there have not, like, think yeah. about the women on the well. Most guys wouldn't meet with her, wouldn't talk to her. Guess what? Jesus did. Think about uh, Mary Magdalena. I would talk to her, but Jesus did. Think about Nicodemus. People would meet with him for other motives, not Jesus, right? Like, think about the lepers that he yeah. healed. Think about the blind, the sick, and, and the bleeding lady, and the dead daughter, and like, I think the first thing that Jesus did was, it doesn't matter who they were, or what they are in life, Jesus were, was welcoming to them. Yeah, I mean... That's yeah. how I want to say that first part of the question is how do you interact with those whose identity is not yet in Christ? Well, be open-minded. Yeah. Be welcoming. That's for me. Let's start there. What, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, this may seem like a shameful plug, but it really isn't. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about here as our core values at the church is mm -hmm. we want people to be known, mm -hmm. valued, and cared for, ultimately loved, right? We talked mm -hmm. about those things. But when you think about how Jesus, you talked about Jesus in his ministry, I would say each and every one of those features of he's when people when he came into contact with people, he made them feel known. He made them feel valued. Sure. He made them feel cared for. As human beings, regardless if you're a Christian or not, you want to be known, valued, and cared for. Sure. Those are three essential characteristics mm -hmm. of life. That applies to anything. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or if you're an unbeliever or a non-believer, right? Um, in the Law Action Church, Anyone is welcome. Everything is possible. Right. Because we believe we have an amazing God. Exactly. A, a powerful God. A, a loving God. Go ahead. So when you have those as the backdrop of how you live your life mm -hmm. and how you treat others, then you it all comes down to imitating Christ. That's, that's really what it comes down to. I just preached last week about how Paul says to be imitators of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Be imitators of God. Mm -hmm. Because... He is the ultimate one that we're to look of. Now, is, are there, there going to be times in my life where I don't imitate God? Sure. Sure. Of course. We're not perfect, right? Mm -hmm. That's why we need grace. That's why That's why His grace is offered to us, because in those times that we're not perfect. But the more and more that we choose to carry out these things, these core values in our life, to, of, of recognizing people, making sure that they feel known, valued, and cared for, not because we want something from them, not because they have something to offer us, not because they can do something for us. It's, it's all about... How we treat people, right? They, everyone, before they're a Christian, they're a human being. Sure. Right? Sure. It's just that when you come under that umbrella of of a Christian, your purpose and your plan, you recognize, you lean into who, what that really means, right? In terms mm -hmm. of, you know, we talk about what, how it was in the beginning and things like that, that broken relationship. And that's why people have been wanting to be known, valued, and careful because that relationship that was broken because we were created for relationship from relationship and when we don't have that, it causes some of the disunity back to the first question that we have. A lot of people walk away because they feel judged. Why? Because they don't feel known. They don't feel valued. Many people walk away because they don't feel loved, because they don't feel cared for. So a lot of those things play to those. So I would say on the backdrop of those things. So I would ask anyone who's listening to this question is like, 
what are the things that you filter through when you deal with other people, when you deal with people, regardless if they're a Christian or a non-Christian? How do you, how do you treat people? So we need to clear this again. I have been trying to clean this lately. So I, I want to get to this. You said, I said, you got to be welcoming. And once you be, you're open to, to that relationship or to that interaction with that individual. There are, what you're saying, there are some progression that first you need to be curious about the individual. You need to know that person. Has, you know, you got to know that person and you got to value that person, who they are, what they're at, not for who you want them to be, but for who you, right? And then you have to demonstrate some care, some love. You demonstrate that you want what is best for that individual. But most people, before you even interact with that person, you have already passed judgment on that person. How their hair is put up, how they dress up, what they have, the money not like them. You already put them in some categories. This is a word that people have used a lot lately in our culture. It's we tribal people, we tribalize people, we put some people on the tribe, right? Mm-hmm. They, they are this color, they are this political thing, and they are this activist kind of person. They are this. So we start to pass judgment on the individual without even listening to their voice. We have the ability to question one character without even knowing someone. We, so we pass judgment. Which mm-hmm. is a problem. So here's what I'm trying to clean it up. There's a difference between judging someone and passing judgment on somebody. Now, we have talked about this many times. You and I have had this conversation before. Uh, I don't think never on this context here. Where, you know, judging someone is important. If you're going to hire someone and that person, you're a boss. If you're going to hire someone and you're going to run them through an interview process, what are you doing? You're judging. You're going through and you're filtering like... You're filtering it out. You're (laughs) making some research about their individual. You're finding it out what's going on. There is a culture you're trying to create with the organization newly. There's some kind of people that fits into what the calling is, what the job requires on. If If you're going to have like, I don't know, you're in finance, right? So if someone has a witnesses is stealing and if you're going to put them to work on a bank, on finances... That, that person is not fitting. You're not, you're not passing judgment. You're just judging that individual said their weaknesses does not allow them to do the job well. So we're going to move on. There, you're not saying that that per- person is a thief, which is passing judgment is. You look at it, that's a per- that person is a thief. No, you're making some judgment to make sure that that person fits in or mm-hmm. not fits into uh, maybe a more personal level. Is like, I have a daughter. A kid's going to come one day and say, I want to marry your daughter. <laughs> Before he gets to even think about it, I will already be what? Parsing it out, trying yeah. to figure out what is this kid's character, what is his intention? Will he provide for my daughter? Will he take care of it? What, what is that called? That's called, you're judging him. You're not saying, you're not passing judgment. Passing judgment is, means this. You stole once. You and steal then, again. And then I'll say, and then I'll say like, oh, you are, you are, you are a thief. You, I'm never going to give you an opportunity because we're a thief. No, that's passing judgment. God never does that to us. God gives us second, thirds, fourth chances, right? Because mm-hmm. He believes in us. So we are, should not pass judgment in people, tag them with a the name and have them carry it on, even though that person has changed their lives, he has the opportunity to change. But we are to, to make some judgment calls, like, hey, let's put that, we are to research some people's lives, their character, who they are, in order to, to give a right assessment about the individual and the context in which that person will find themselves into. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. So, going back, the church has 
to look into people's lives to help them realize that they are walking outside of God's will for their lives. We, we just have to. Life is too important for you to allow someone to be doing some things that will let, lead them to eternal life without Jesus Christ. Then we can have a conversation on how you do that. But Christians cannot not speak up to those things that will bring destruction to the individual, not only in this life, but also in the life to come. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it definitely does. And, and you know, just to kind of close the loop on this question, you know I like lists. I like to keep things in lists. Mm -hmm. So I've got five things that Christians, like, you know, should, should keep in mind, should do, and five things that we shouldn't do. Like, sure. you know, so five, five things that you don't do. Don't isolate yourself, right? Don't isolate yourself. In fact, God, Christ called us to do the opposite. He says to go out into the world, but don't become like the world, right? Mm -hmm. uh, don't argue over religious or cultural views. That's just going to continue to keep, cause division. Mm -hmm. that, you're never going to win any battles there. Don't support or encourage ungodly behavior. In fact, Paul tells us that in Ephesians chapter 5. Like, you know, he says, don't, don't, be, don't, be, don't be part of it. Don't be part of it, right? Don't encourage it. Don't judge the behavior. That's what you were just talking about, right? Passing judgment. And don't discuss, you know, controversial temporal things. Like These things are never going to help you create unity or, or foster unity. Mm -hmm. Here's some things that you do also do. You have to listen more than you talk. Sure. A lot of times we tend to kind of go out and we want to start hammering people about things instead of just listening. Speak with grace. We should always be prepared to be lovingly, to be respectful yeah. on topics that we're, that we're asked about. Be honest about those topics, right? Uh, graceful conversation within context of a relationship speaks of the interests of Jesus. Uh, live a fruitful life. This is the biggest one, mm -hmm. right? A lot of times... We say, like, be imitators of God. Your identity is in Christ. I want to talk to other people whose identity isn't yet. But yet your identity is not not illustrating that your identity is what you say it is. Sure. You know, we have a word for that. It's called hypocrites. Sure. Don't be hypocritical, right? Uh, model a godly lifestyle. And, and at all times, keep the gospel primary. Gospel is primary. What is the gospel? You talked about it. It's good news, right? Mm -hmm. We need to share the good news. We need to live the good news. No matter... How we do things, I think if we keep these things in mind, some do's and don'ts, I think it can help us a little bit better. Not that these are the in all and end all, just some things to kind of think about. Sure. As, uh, and I think I just heard this the other day from from uh, on my small group from uh, uh, an individual. I was going to say the name, but I will leave it name out. Um, I was just the individual said like you know in life we're always trying to draw the line instead of pointing people to one direction. Mm. So we're always trying to find a line. and we, So that's where the do's and don'ts comes in. Instead of pointing people to one direction. There is, I think a lot of us is drawing lines. And God's like, no, 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 don't draw lines. Yeah. Let's point people to a direction. And direction is Jesus. So I think we need to be Instead, more... Instead, draw Jesus. Don't draw lines. That's right. <laughs> there you go. That's what, and so people can see it. All right. Let's get our last question here. Our last question um, is specific about chapter 3. It says that you guys talk a lot about the spirit strengthening our inner being. The three ways this happens is through interceding, enabling us to connect with God and comforting us. If I'm not feeling peace or comfort, does this mean that I'm not a strong Christian? So I love questions like this because it makes me want to go to who? Jesus. Jesus. Right? Like, if there's someone who was strong on the inside, on the inner being, who was? It's Jesus. Jesus. 
I think you he's the measuring stick, right? He's, he's a, a model. He has to be the measuring stick. He's so a model. My, my first, my primary goal as a pastor is not to give you me as an example, not to give you theology, the study of God as, as an example, not to give you doctrine as a My primary job is to point you to Jesus because he is the example. He's the one who to whom we should live our life after. I think the fall on the uh, the there is a fallacy on this on this um, mm-hmm. on this question, and the fallacy is, am I not a strong Christian? What what is the definition of a strong Christian? What is the basis of a strong Christian? Yeah, I mean, what, you, what, what, what is that? What is that? Uh, Have you heard in the no, Bible? No, I mean, this if, is what a strong Christian look like. What is that? I mean, if you if you take that as as a, as a way of context, you can look at Paul and say, "Well, you weren't a strong Christian." Well, you I'll, can look yeah. at yeah, you can. Now, I was going to go to that. Yeah, like, yeah, I said, like, Jesus, Jesus, yeah, in the, yeah. in, in the, the garden. Christian. Was he peaceful he, in the garden? No, he was he comfort. No, no. So like Paul. Paul said, like, I was dying, I was distressed, I, I was falling apart. My life was too, I was about to die. Yeah, the storm you gave me is like, it's not comforting at all. I, I crashed the boat, I almost died, and I'm all, you know, my life was falling apart. Was he peaceful? Was he comforted? Was No, not, not whatsoever. Did Paul always feel close to, to God? No, Jesus in the cross said, whoa, 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 God, where did you go? <laughs> well, where did you go? What, what, what the heck? Why are you turning your face away from me? What's going on? Where? I think the fallacy there is the idea of a strong Christian, like uh, oh. Yeah. So he, he's what I wanna, he's what I want to say to this individual. They strengthen me so that you can endure. Mm-hmm. Whatever questions, like, you know, why God is, is is strengthening you? It's not so that you'd be peaceful, not so that you'd be connected to Him, so not that you would uh, uh, be comforted. Uh, is that you would endure. Mm-hmm. You would endure whatever the world throws at you that was never meant by God to your life. Yeah. Right? That's how I'm going to answer. It's like, you know what? what? You know why God strengthens you from the inside? I think he, you focus on some things here that are important for sure. They're mm-hmm. good. But God is actually really interested that you would endure. That yeah. you would endure the difficulties. That what Jesus says on, I think he's on, on John 14. In this world, you have trouble, but I overcame the world. Yeah, take heart. Take heart. So so that you'd be able to take heart, so that you'd yeah. be able to overcome the world, that you would endure, so that you would not reject Christ and the gospel when the going get stuff. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things you're leaning on is the strength of a Christian is not a measuring stick to say, like, I'm a, I'm a 10, and you're a 2, or you're a 5, right? How do you find that out? <laughs> It's like good Christian. I'm a good Christian. Oh, you show me a bad Christian. Yeah. Oh, they do this and that. And like, and you, you look in your life. I'm like, wow, you don't do this and that, but you do this and this and that. Does that makes you know like yeah. you can strong I, Christian, good Christian, faithful Christian. You don't have faith. Uh, you didn't get this. Your prayer wasn't heard because you don't have faith. It's like, well, how I do think you know I how think that's a, I, you got? I think that's a better question. How strong is your faith? How deep is your faith? Because. Is your faith wavering? Not that it has a levels, right? Like, mm-hmm. but when you go through things in your life, do you question like, oh man, am I on the right path? Is is this really what what God has for me? Or, or why am I going through this? Like things like that. A, a lot of times, you know, we uh, I said this. Uh, I even talked to the kids about it. a lot of time we curse the rain in our lives, right? We, we we don't like when we go through difficult times, right? And to your point, 
Jesus didn't say that you would have you would have a, a bed of roses kind of life. He says, they persecute me. Guess what they're going to do to you? They're going to the <laughs> persecute you too. So like, you have to be strong in our faith. We have to hold on to this thing. We have to hold on to the promises of the hope. And um, while, while the question is, I don't think it has to do with a strength thing. I think it has to do with what's your character like? How are you? I, I, are you strong in your faith in the sense that if things are happening around you, does it cause you to shift your need? Does it? One of the times when you were preaching, you did this great analysis analogy on um, on faith, right? And you said like it's like this that it's like this rope that you're holding on to, and things are happening. Is like, are you gonna let go of that rope, or are you gonna keep holding on to it? I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. um, when when things like that happen, sometimes we tend to just let go, mm -hmm. right? Because doubt doubt comes in. You know, th these are the things that comes in and, and kind of gets us to think, well, I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough faith. Or I don't, I'm not a good Christian as this person is. So we start questioning that. And that be, but God has never intended to be that way. Yeah. That is not his design. Mm -hmm. You know, the things that we go through in our, in our life is to help refine us, to be stronger. James tells us, count it all joy, the trials that you go through in your mm -hmm. life, right? Mm -hmm. And blessed are those who persevere. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back to that enduring thing. And that's really what it's all about. Not that you're a strong Christian or like you're a weak Christian, or that you you don't you lack faith or you don't have enough faith. It's about when when the when the trial comes. Are you only a Jesus follower when things are good, or are you going to be a Jesus follower no matter what? Well, and that's the question you you talking. Yeah. That's the question I just wrote it down. What would it take for you to drop Jesus? If you have to even question that, then well, <laughs> I, mean, I think that's the question. no 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 no. I'm saying like <coughs> in our mind that that's you know yeah. What would it take for you to drop Jesus? I mean that I think that that the question is you know you know I'm supposed to be strengthened the inner so comfort peace so like oh yeah. what it means so if you have trouble only in your life does that mean you're gonna drop Jesus because you're not a, a strong Christian yeah well <laughs> you better be a weak Christian and still be able to hold on to Jesus uh, right uh, is that comforting so does that mean that when you're not comforted does that mean that you're gonna drop Jesus, like I mean, I, I think a, a strong Christian it doesn't it doesn't mean peace, comfort, or connection uh, with God, whatever that yeah. word connected is. Maybe I don't know what that means. Well, I, I think you also uh, I I would say is more on like you strengthen on the inside so that you won't drop God. Yeah, and I was gonna say it all depends on how you how you how you define these words too. Sure. How do you define peace? How do you define comfort? You know. Um, that all will play a part into how you do this. God's Spirit is there to help us, to help us, uh, you know, as we walk this life. And I said on Sunday, if you're not tuned in to His frequency, mm -hmm. then you miss out on on what what you have and what you think might not be comfort or what you think might be uncomfortable. It's really a comfort thing because you're just not tuned in. Because how you how you define it? how how you comfortable like how do you define what does it mean to have peace? Yeah, I, I mean, the Bible says we have peace beyond that suppresses all of us. I, I mean, you know, this question for some odd reason makes me want to read Psalm 1. Let's go for it. Uh, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the weak, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. In his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chef that the wind drives away. 
Therefore the wicked would not stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. For me, that's what it, that is. Like, you know mm -hmm. what? The reason why you should be strengthened inside is that so you would stand even in the day of judgment. Mm -hmm. And here's another thing. If you are in God's word at all times, you it, 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 you should be feeling, even in the midst of chaos, of pain and suffering, you should still be seeing some kind of delight. You still see some kind of prosperity, some kinds mm -hmm. of blessings. Because it is not necessarily the blessings upon that which you're suffering at the moment, but in the strength that is given to you to endure that which you're suffering at the time. Yeah. So like we, we want to call glory uh, when things are easy. Why can we call glory the fact that we went through the valley and we survived? We were full of mud up to our mouth and we could barely breathe, but God got us through the whole thing. And that's where the glory is. It's not that you didn't go through the mud, but that you went through the mud and you beat it. So I mean, strength for the inside is for endurance, for yeah. perseverance, for faithfulness, for steadfastness, for loyalty to God, not for the lack of troubles or pain or suffering and so on and so forth. Yeah, Psalm 22 then said, not that you may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, is that when you do, you will fear no evil. Yeah, Psalm 23, yeah, you, so. that, that's exactly what it is. There are a couple of things that I always, I don't, I don't know where they started. The first one is that heaven got kicked out of earth to this space up there. right? I don't know who kicked heaven out. Uh, it's this place where we're going, where the Bible is very clear that heaven is coming down, not where, you know, mm -hmm. uh, coming down to earth and God is bringing back heaven and earth together. Um, so that's one, one problem. Another problem I have is this idea that the Christian life is this walking in the park with the Kool-Aid and the fried chickens and the watermelons, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like this, it's an easy thing, it's an easy peasy thing. You should have, you should be, go around just jumping and laughing and smiling the whole time because God, God never promised that we would not have difficulties. He just promised that He would help us endure the difficulties. He'd be he with us. us. He'd yeah. be with us. He'd carry, carry us through it. So, um, yeah, the Holy Spirit didn't leave, doesn't leave us when we go through trials. No. He's with us. He's the reason there. we used to stand, we are alive through trials and sufferings is because God is with us. He sustains us. That should be the, the source of our joy. Not that we get consumed by the difficulties and the pain and the suffering of this world. But that we get to beat it. That we beat it. And that we have a promise on the age to come where that will be no more. But you can only take advantage of the promise of the age to come. As if you beat the difficulties of here and now. Endure with Jesus. If you hold on to Jesus, you will have the outcome that is promised for us in, in, in God's word. If you give up right here, right now then you won't. And the only way you won't give up is if you're strengthened from the inside. And that was Paul's prayer for these people. I think you said it best, man. I think uh, that's all I really had on this final one. Just want to just say thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for the questions. Hopefully, um, you know, you found some encouragement. Maybe you had some of those similar questions too as well. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and God spoke to you. Um, any final thoughts on this letter before we close the chapter on this one? No, I just want to say thank you to everybody that has been turning in, has been faithful to this podcast. Um, we, we are thankful for uh, the work of God in our lives, in your life, and may we grow together in the image of Jesus. So that's it. Thank you. Yeah, I echo the same thing too as well. Thank you guys again for tuning in faithfully and 
spending taking some time and investing in uh in wanting to learn a little bit more about what God has for you, his call for you and and what he what he's helping you walk through and uh hopefully this letter has been encouraging in this uh phase in this time of your life and mm-hmm. maybe you're listening to this 6 months from now, you know, we recorded this uh, and you know God's timing his purposes yeah. is beyond our, outside of our control. Amen. So whenever you listen to this, whether it's today or a year from now, thank you. Uh, God wanted to speak to you through this, and we're we're so thankful that he he was able to use Sam and I. Uh, we are we ourselves are are learning and continue to go yes. through this process. So it's exciting. Thank you guys as as always. As we said before, we sign out. Be blessed. Be blessed. Have a great one, everyone. <laughs>